Well, welcome to Dental Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and today I'm joined with Lauren Israelson, the CEO of Positive Impact Dental Alliance. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks, Chelsea. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. Awesome. Well, hey, um, so you are how many years outside of dental school? I graduated in 2018, so it's almost exactly four years. And doing some pretty cool things. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. So uh, when I graduated, I I decided that I wanted to build a privately owned, dentist owned uh, group practice. And so I, I bought a, a practice after dental school and since then have purchased 21 uh, practices. We're under LOI to purchase several more. And, and uh, so just having lots of fun. Awesome. So have you always been an entrepreneur at heart or is that something you kind of decided when you were in school or how did that idea take place? Yeah. So I think I'm not exactly sure when it started. I think it has been there a little bit all throughout my life, whether it Mm -hmm. was growing up and, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to earn a little extra money here and there as a kid. Um, I, you know, I had animals growing up and, you know, I I had a little rabbit business and, uh, sold rabbits and uh, to earn a little bit of extra money. So did that, but I think a lot of it came when I was in my undergrad years and started learning and reading books and, and figuring out what I really wanted for myself. I, I knew I wanted to be a dentist since I was in high school. And um, so, you know, coming, coming into my undergrad years and trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with my life and my career and how I wanted my career to go and um, had had some uh, influences and some mentors that also helped mentor me on the entrepreneur entrepreneurial side and um, anyhow so it was, it's been a process it's not something that's always been you know deep down like hey and I know like this is exactly what I want to do because I think there's a lot of just ignorance there. I didn't really know what was out there and what was available. Mm-hmm. But then as, as, as time has gone on, it's, it's, you know, it becomes more solidified. And as you learn, and you, you understand exactly what you do want out of life and what you want out of your career. And so that's kind of how, how I ended up where I am today. That's really neat. And actually, I find it somewhat unique that you knew all the way back in high school that you wanted to be a dentist. And so um, sounds like you learn every year, a quick learner. <laughs> Would you say that your entrepreneurial yeah. journey has been what you expected it to be when you, from when you decided you wanted to um, own multiple, own multiple practices to what it's turned into? Yeah, well, so I, I decided I wanna, wanted to own multiple practices. I, uh, I was probably in my freshman year of college, actually. I didn't know that that was actually a thing. I, I was going through, this, this was several years back, I was going through some, some goals that I'd written down for myself back in, I guess it was 2010, 2009. Yeah. And I stumbled across this goal of, hey, I want to own, I wanted to own five orthodontic practices. Okay. And, um, and I can't, ortho. I, I was planning on being orthodontist. So okay. The, the person that had influenced me to become a dentist was my orthodontist growing up. And, um, and so I was going to be an orthodontist. And so anyhow, I, I went back and I saw those goals and I was like, that's, I totally had forgotten about that. Right. Like I just written this goal down. If I want to be a multiple practice owner, I kind of forgotten about it as I 
as I, so it wasn't that impactful of a goal, obviously, but um, anyways, that was where I first started. And then, and then during my um, freshman year of dental school, um, started listening to podcasts and started understanding, you know, what, what there is out there in our profession and what opportunities are available. And uh, that's, that's when I started to really dive into this, this world a little bit more. Um, and to be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I also didn't know how rewarding it would be. I didn't, so you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, um, um, I mean, I wouldn't change how anything has, has happened in the last, you know, four to four to seven years. I'm, I'm glad everything's happened how it, how, how it has. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been how I expected because I just didn't know what to expect. Sure, that's fair. So what would you say, you know, going from one to two practices may not have been quite a jump, but I imagine there's been different levels of um, iterations and involvement that have taken place. And so what would you say is an example of something that was either not what you expected or maybe even challenging that was really difficult at the time, but has really benefited your entrepreneurial path? Yeah, that's a great question. So actually, I would say that going from one to two was probably the biggest jump and probably the most difficult. Okay. Um, so during, during dental school, like I, I go to all these conferences, right. I'd listen to all these podcasts. I would, I would, um, learn like, what, what is it like to, to be a leader, to, uh, build a, a culture and a practice. And so I bought my first practice in, in July of 2018. I think the day after I got my, uh, my dental license and, um, <laughs> Then the second practice was a, a couple months after that. Um, the first practice was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I was jumping from, I was jumping in the deep end, right? I was fully, fully in, engrossed. And it was probably 12 to 15 hour days every day, six days a week. I was trying to figure out the systems. I was trying to figure out how everything worked. Um, I think half of the team quit within the first two months and oh. uh well it was it, it it is what it is I didn't know how to be a leader right off the bat right and I was I was trying my hardest um and so I was under contract to buy a second one already and I I had spaced it out a few months just to make sure that I um uh, could handle it right but then we we were able to get things kind of settled down and you know it was pretty calm after about a month and a half two months in my first practice um, and then going into the practice number two, that was the biggest jump in, in that I, you know, I wasn't there, uh, full time. I was just managing the office manager who was there and I was managing the, the dentist and the other people who were there and learning how to do that versus being an in-person leader, I think was probably one of the most difficult aspects of it. You know, in my own, in my first practice that I was, I was practicing there for four days a week. Um, I could influence them on a daily basis, hour by hour, you know, minute by minute, whether that's just morale, um, encouragement, uh, and you can't do that in a second practice, right? Like it, a lot of it has to be, 
how I am influencing the leaders of that practice and then they influence the practice. And I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't know how, how to do that and how to kind of transfer, transfer that leadership and uh, that culture down through the leaders of that practice. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So what, how did you figure that out? A lot of trial and error. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of how that happened. And, um, and uh, yeah, so it just, it, it has organically happened over the last uh, four years and, and uh, getting coaching from, you know, people like you and, and uh, figuring out how, how to do that leadership aspect. Um, and so going from one to two and then two to four and now up to, um, so we actually have 13 locations. We've merged some of the, some of the practices. And so just over time, each, you know, each iteration, you, you work on that leadership aspect and, and, the gets a little bit better and a little bit better every time. And, and, uh, you start to build those systems and the systems, not just of the processes in the practice but the systems of the culture and the systems of um, the morale and, the, and, and everything that goes into the people part of it. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind was going with it because it sounds like, you know, even at the beginning, there was probably still figuring out what type of culture that you wanted to cultivate. Um, and the more clear you are on that, the easier it is to replicate it. So talk mm -hmm. to me about that because I know culture is really important to you. Tell me about the culture of positive impact. Yeah. So it was, like I said, after that, that second practice, we, um, and the well, second, third and fourth practice, we, we realized that we needed to put way more of an emphasis on that. One of my mentors growing up has a, a very, very successful, um, robotics company. And, uh, I, I was, I worked for him as a teenager and I, I would help test some of the robots and I'd sit sit out in the field and just hit the play button. And then the robots would like <laughs> drive around the field. And That's then fun. I'd have to, I'd have to document every time it didn't, uh, didn't do what it was supposed to do. So a cool. very mean, very menial job as a teenager. Anyhow, I've seen him go from tiny little robotics company when I was a teenager to now, you know, multinational, very, very successful company. Wow. And I, I was speaking to him about this process of how do you, how do you scale a culture? Um, and what he, he had taught me is that you have to really figure out what your culture is. What, what do you see? Like for him, he had, he had looked at Steve Jobs and the, the leadership style of Steve Jobs. And he's like, that's, that's not me. That's not my culture. That's not how I want to treat my people. Not that, you know, Steve Jobs built an amazing company that way, but for him and his personality, it wasn't that way. So I said, Bill, find your culture, figure out what you want in a practice, right? What, what's important to you. And then you take that culture and you figure out a way to systemize it and train your leaders on that. So for us, our culture is about continual improvement. I think that as people, whether it's an assistant, a hygienist, a dentist, front desk person, whoever it is, even outside of the dental world, right? I think we as humans um, are built to be 
continuously improving. So that's a part of our culture is, can we be continuously improving? Another part of our culture is, of course, putting patients first. They're the reason that we're, we're there. They're the reason that any of us have a job, um, whether that's somebody that's in pain and they need help, or it's somebody that has, doesn't like to smile because they're not proud of their smile. Um, whatever it is, the patient you know, comes first. So that's our second one. Um, our third one is love your people. How do we, as, as team members, treat each other like family? We're with our team members a lot of times more hours out of the day than we're with our regular family, right? So how do we treat each other like family and everything you know, that goes, goes behind that, of course. And then our last core value that creates our culture um, is being resourceful and resilient. How do we become people that can problem solve? We can see an issue, whether it's with a patient, with uh, an insurance company or a plan or you know, dental supplies, we can be the ones that are solving a problem and, and being resourceful with that. So that was, those were the core values and the culture that we came up with for um, things that I believed in, right? Things that are, are very important to me. And then I can now take that and figure out how to make a system out of that to train and to teach, teach the team members. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I love the order that you put it in because it's like when I'm continuously learning, I know that there, then I get a dopamine hit, right? And I'm feeling great. And then of course I'm able to put other people first, which encourages me to work with the people around me and then solve problems. And so it's, it's in a really logical order for me. Um, that's fantastic. Tell me, how do you, um, how do you yourself? And then how do you encourage um, people to be problem solvers? Um, that's a, that's a great question. It, so for, for me, myself, that's, it's part of, it's part of my, uh, I guess it's part of what drives me. It's just what I, I love. I like, I love figuring out how to solve something. Right. So I, I, it, it's something that's, that's natural to me. I'm very inquisitive and I always like to figure out why something works the way it does. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes to my, my detriment, but that's, that's why, that's what I do. That's what I love to do. Um, encouraging other people to do that. The, the first thing I would say is you, when somebody comes with a problem, you ask them what their solution is or what they think might be a solution. So if you ask them first um, and ask them to bring two or three solutions, possible solutions with every problem that they bring, then that starts to create some of that mindset um, and just creates that expectation that, you know, that's, that's what is going to be uh, expected, right? Um, also, the, the skill of delegation, a lot of people, I think, are used to having a, a boss or a manager who just wants to do everything, right? And they, they don't have that freedom to, to solve a problem and to think through and to, um, to be the kind of person that grows. Because really, when you're solving problems, you're, you're growing, right? Um, so giving them that freedom to know that, hey, I'm delegating this to you. I want you to, to grow 
and to be able to figure something out. Um, so from a dental assistant, up, you know, to a dentist, whatever, whichever area of the company company it is, that's, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect in, in any of these areas by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I try to encourage them to, to come up with solutions themselves and to empower them and to, to let them know that, you know, I, I've got you in this position because I can't do everything myself. So I would love for you to think through the, the, the potential solutions and, and, and then we can discuss them and, and, and then follow through and make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Autonomy is so empowering. I think that's fantastic. So how often, or um, how do you approach having conversations about failure? Because when people are given more um, room to grow, there's also more opportunity to fail throughout that growing experience. When, when there is failure, um, that's a, that's a great question. You've got great questions, Chelsea. Um, as, as people do fail, I think, I think it's just, it's just part of, it's part of the, the process, number one, right? Like, so me as, as a leader, I, I expect that. I expect that there will be um, some failures. Um, and ultimately, I try to hire people who I know can, number one, deal with failure, who, who seem resilient, right? Um, because I know that there, there are gonna be failures. Uh, people who can deal with, deal with failures um, and get back up and keep going um, and uh, let them know that I'm not mad at them, right? So that's, that's, I think that's the a huge, uh, a huge thing in dealing with failures as well is letting them know that they're not in trouble and I'm not mad, mad at them. Um, when there are, when there are failures that are, um, just by the fact that they're, they're learning and they're growing, you know, that's something that a leader should be happy with, right? Um, you're never going to get, uh, the same exact results that you'd get if you were doing it yourself, but in order to build and scale a company, you can't do it all yourself. And so you have to be, you have to expect that sometimes that will happen, and that they know ahead of time that you know you're not going to be mad at them. If there is a failure, we'll figure it out. We'll chalk it up as a learning experience, and uh, we move forward. And I think consequentially, they're going to be able to um, recognize how you, as the leader, are demonstrating how we deal with other people's failures because they are in turn handling their team members failures right throughout the day or um, things that happen with patients and so on. And so um, I think that's a really valuable hands-on lesson that you can give is um, allowing people room to fail and then showing them how that can be okay. And when they see that you're okay with it, um, that probably offers an opportunity for them to be okay with that as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So tell me more about like, um, so you guys are 21 practices. Is that what you said? So we've acquired 21 and we've merged seven, seven of them. Okay. So growing and hiring mm -hmm. and yes. Um, okay. Yes. All right. So tell me more about that. What are the plans? 
Yeah, so our, we're working to bring on two more practices in the next month, um, 20 by the end of this year, and, and then just keep on growing from there. So as, as long as we have awesome dentists, awesome partners, so we, we partner with dentists on, on, a, on a practice level, um, whether that's one or two or, or multiple practices, um, that's, that's the plan. As long as we can continue to grow with like-minded people, people who, you know, agree with our core values and are, are, uh, looking for the same type of growth trajectory, um, will continue to grow. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It sounds like the place to be, um, if someone was interested in learning more about the opportunities you currently have available, where would you recommend they go? Uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn shoot me a text. Um, I, you can, you can put my uh, phone number in your, in your show notes if you'd like, and uh, I'd be more than happy to, to chat with anybody. And regardless of if they're, if uh, somebody's interested in, in um, working with us uh, on a, on a practice in a dentist basis, um, I'd be more than happy to, to chat with individual dentists who are trying to do this, a similar thing, right? So I think we can all learn from, from each other and be able to collaborate and help each other, which is one of the, the things that I that really pushed me to, to build a group, the ability to, to work with other like-minded people. So um, I'd be more than happy whether or not you're interested in, in working together to, to collaborate and just share ideas. That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you wanted to make sure we talked about before we go? I don't think so. You have, you have awesome questions, Chelsea, and I'm, I'm excited to get to know you more. And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it was a great interview. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools, as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.